That was awesome. Who, who else encountered God? Yeah, that was... Oof. Can we just give the Lord a hand? That was incredible. Thank you, God. Oh, okay, cool. So, for those of you who don't know, my name is David. How's it? <laughs> I am uh, I'm a deacon in this congregation. I'm also a youth leader. Woo! And um, on, a, on a typical Friday evening, you'll see me here serving Jesus with this bunch of delinquents. <laughs> I love them dearly. They're my family. This youth is really close to my heart. And... Um, I'm quite honored to have this opportunity today just to come and share a word that I really feel God is wanting to say. And um, yeah, I'm going to just get into it. So can we just think for a second that first song that we sang? Do you actually remember the words? So um, let me just find it here. Yeah, in the beginning, that, that song, it's called Glorious Day. And uh, it's about, you know, Glorious Day, it's about... Jesus calling us out of the grave, out of the darkness, and into glorious day. In the bridge, it says that we needed rescue. Our sin was heavy, but the chains break at the weight of His glory. Yeah, yeah, that's the second part of the verse. But that's such deep truth in that song. Such deep truth. And actually, um, it links a lot with what I'm about to preach today. That's... Uh, I don't think there's any coincidences in God. Amen? And um, just before I get into what I've prepared, I want to ask if, if each of us could just take a second to just prepare your hearts and um, you know, make it like good soil for what the Lord wants to impart. That uh, the, the truth of God's Word this evening would not grow onto uh, soil that is, that, that, it, that, is, that is not welcoming soil, that is not fertile. Because I, I don't want to miss out. Even though I'm, I'm preaching tonight, I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So can I, can I share some good news with you tonight? Can I share some good news with you tonight? Great. But before that, I need to share some bad news. <laughs> Bear with me. It'll, it'll, it'll make sense. So the truth of what I want to say tonight is that we have passed from death to life. And I'm sure you saw in the prayer meeting, that's quite an exciting thing. <laughs> but the essence of what I want to say tonight revolves around Lazarus. The story of Lazarus being in the grave and coming to life. And I want to show this as an illustration of what's happened in each and every one of our lives because of Jesus. Amen. But before I speak about being alive, I want to speak about being dead. Can I get Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 3, please? Thank you. Very quick. Thanks, Janine. Okay. It says, as for you, us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We were all this. We were all in this situation. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. 
Does that sound like good news to you? No, that's really, really bad news. But I wanted to just display this first before I speak about you know, the other truth that, that, that follows that scripture. Because in essence, this is, you don't have to put it up again, but this is the truth. In our natural state, before we met Jesus, before Jesus came into our lives, every single one of us were objects of wrath. Can you, can you take your mind back there for a second for me? Because, you know, with walking with God for a while, it's very easy to become familiar. It's very easy to become uh, forgetful of, of the, the terrible predicament that we want, once were in. And this is, I love the, the section that follows here. Can I get uh, chapter 2, verse 4 to 9, please? Yeah. Following this, following this. Paul writes, but, and whenever Paul writes, but, he's basically about to state the whole gospel. I love that. I love that. We've heard the bad news. Oh, this is the good news. This is the good news. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. Verse 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with them in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that the, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's quite a... A big chunk of scripture, but I want to just um, highlight a few crucial truths in this passage. Here are a few of them. We were once dead, and now we are alive. Church, we were once dead, and now we are alive. Alive with Christ. And this is, he says at the end, it's not by works that anyone may boast. It's not because of anything we've done. It is a free gift of God through grace. Oh, this makes me absolutely full of joy. I love this. Wow. <laughs> this is such crucial truth. And part of, part of what I'm going to say tonight is like, the, you know, I've always said the, the, the Bible, the words of the Bible, it's just words, but it's the, the power of God. It's the power of the Spirit that makes it transformative. And, you know, even what I'm saying now may, may just be words, but, you know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit behind these words that, that's really powerful. They're just statements, but it's pointing to the living God. Amen? We are alive. We are alive. Furthermore, can I see in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, as it said in the previous chapter, we are in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has gone. And the new has come, exclamation mark. Very crucial. All this, all this is from God, who reconciled us into himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who knows what reconciliation means? Yeah, that was, that was quite, a, quite a long word, so I had to research it. And it means to restore what was lost. Bring back what was stolen. Restore. Church, before we met Jesus, we were lost to God. Jesus came to reconcile us back with our Father. 
He came to bring us back home. And this is furthermore nothing that we've done. Jesus wanted you. Jesus wanted you. He wanted you. He wanted all of us to be with him. So he voluntarily went to that cross. He voluntarily gave up on his, on, on his living. He voluntarily let people kill him. The son of God, he could have easily called legions of angels to come and just tear the soldiers away. But no, he chose to go through that cross for each and every one of us. Gift of grace, church. This is incredible that we've been reconciled with God. And now we are free because of this. This is the truth. This is the deep truth. And um, I thought, uh, you know, the best, the, the most memorable preachers that I've seen in my life have been preachers with illustrations. Yay. So I want to ask if, if Chris, where you were, I've, I've prepped him before. And uh, maybe Paul, where you at? Paul, thanks. We're going to do a little uh, illustration to kind of demonstrate what's happened. Let's try and stay focused. To demonstrate what's happened in every single one of our lives. And this is where it comes back to Lazarus. So now, um, yeah, we're just going to <laughs> we're just gonna wrap up Chris real quick. Okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep talking. <laughs> That's cool. Guys, could you like... Okay, so this may be a little funny looking, but this, thanks, thanks guys. Let's give him a hand. That's great. <laughs> so now, who here knows the story of Lazarus? And uh, I'm sure there's a few of us here that don't, but that's why I got the scripture. Cool. Can we please get John 11, verse 43 to 44? Okay. Now, just the, the previous uh, scriptures in this chapter are talking about a man named Lazarus, who was the brother of Mary and Martha, who were very, very, very close friends to Jesus. And um, Lazarus grew ill and he died. And he was placed in a tomb, in like a grave. It was the, the standard way of burying people in, in, that, in, in those, those days, in that culture. And we pick up on the story now where Jesus comes to the tomb. Now imagine this scene as being the tomb. Imagine there being like a kind of a entrance and inside. Inside there wouldn't have just been one body. They would have stacked multiple different corpses. Uh, but that was the custom of the day. That's what happened. And we pick up on the story here when Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And he has a few people around him. He has Mary, he has Martha, he has the bunch of people that were mourning the death of Lazarus with the two women. And we pick up on it here. 43 says, When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And this is, this is, the, this is the intense, cool part of the scripture. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with straps of linen strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Can you imagine this? A dead man who was in the tomb for multiple days, probably stinking a little bit, 
Jesus calls, and because the Son of God calls them out, he comes out. Death is no obstacle to the Son of God. Death is no obstacle to the living God. So now just to illustrate this, I want to say, Christopher, come out. Okay. And now the, the second part of the scripture said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes. Yeah. Woo! So now we've just seen somebody become alive and become free. I'll, I'll, I'll use this in the later part of my preach. And if you didn't know, the title of my preach is Alive and Free. We've just witnessed Lazarus in the scripture and in the little illustration coming alive and getting free. I wanted to illustrate this so that we can kind of have a, a little fresh image of what's happened in each and every one of our lives through Christ. That's been the work of God. The work of God was fully completed in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So now, you know, when we come to Jesus, we come to Him, we die to ourselves, and we come alive in Him. That's the life that we now have. That's the life that we're now living. But there is a certain response that we all need to make when we, when we hear this good news. This great, wonderful, life-changing news of God. And just as, uh, just as um, we saw Lazarus, he, he, he took off the grave clothes, he, he tore away those things that were kind of in his way. I want to look at Hebrews 12, please. Now this is like, it's a command to the church. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How powerful is that? And in the illustration of, of, of Lazarus, we saw he came free, and he threw off the things that were hindering him. He threw off these things that were in his way. Because can you imagine? Can you imagine trying to like walk around after you've been resurrected, like with these things around you? Why on earth would that be practical? Why on, who on earth would want to be walking around with this thing dragging, possibly even between the legs, like stumbling around? Throw it off. And I think this this is <laughs> This is way more relatable than I think many of us understand. I can relate to this deeply. Deeply, I really can. There's so many times when, when there's things that just come up. There's things that are in the way of, of me running for God. There's, there's so many things that just creep up. Some of it may be sin. Some of it may be just like good things to do. But they can be in the way of us running for God. I want to ask tonight that, that do we know that we're alive? Church, do we know that we have been made alive when we were dead? 
so often, so often the enemy wants to come and wants to accuse us and say, actually, no, you're not a new creation. You're still the old creation. You're still, you're still messing up. That means you're still, still an old creation. There's a, there's a wonderful analogy. Um, <laughs> a, few of, a few of our youth guys know them really well. Um, uh, it was an analogy I heard from a really wise man. He said, um, there's an analogy about the new creation. It's called the eagle and the pig analogy. Who's heard of that analogy before? It's great. It's really great. And I think it's really, uh, it wasn't originally in my notes, but I just feel to share it. And this really illustrates what it means to be a new creation. Imagine each and every one of us before we met Jesus. Imagine us being a pig. Just imagine. Now imagine, you know what a pig does. A pig rolls in the mud. It makes little oink noises. Um, you know, rolls around. That's what it does. It's maybe a little bit cute, maybe a little bit dirty. You know, cool. Now imagine the, the contrast between that and an eagle. What does an eagle do? It flies. It soars. It's majestic. It's a beautiful creature. And this analogy goes like this. It says, when we become a new creation in Christ, God basically, he, he doesn't just make the pig into a better pig or a more clean pig. He completely changes that, that creation, makes it born again into an eagle. What does an eagle do? It soars. So often the enemy wants to come to us and say, oh, you know, you see the, the eagle has got like a little bit of mud on its wing. Oh, therefore you're still a pig. No. So often the enemy is, is throwing lies at us, wanting us to believe that we've not been made a new creation. Can I get an Amen. We need to realize that each and every one of us has been born again of God. We need to realize this, church. It's such deep truth. We can still often think that we're still in bondage and condemnation. But actually, this is not the truth. God has he's put us in Christ. Yes, we may mess up. Yes, we may have still a bit of mud on us. But we are now born to fly. You don't need to... You don't need to have behavior modification and try and discipline an eagle. Fly, fly, fly. Once the eagle has the firm foundation in its identity that it is an eagle, it will fly. It's such beautiful truth. So often in my life I've been, oh no, I've messed up. The moment I realize I am a child of God, that breaks every condemnation, it breaks every self-righteousness, breaks every performance because we were made a new creation. We need to see this. We need to believe this. See, Jesus did not die on that cross so we could be tame and dull. We could still sit here with the grave open and actually like, you know, I'm, I'm fine here. I don't, I don't want to go outside. Jesus died so we would have life and life in abundance. Life and life in abundance. And we cannot, we cannot continue to base our perception of truth on, on our subjective feelings. So often, you know, I've 
dumps a lot. I've, I've been like, actually, God, I don't really feel that holy now. Or I had a maybe a not great thought that makes me all of a sudden not holy. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says, you are holy. I've made you holy, so be holy. I've made you this, so walk through it. I've made you a new creation, therefore live as the new creation. It's crucial. This is a crucial thing that I've found such victory in my life. What do I put my faith in? Do I put my faith in my thoughts, my feelings, my up and down thought patterns, or do I put my, word, my faith in the unchanging Word of God, in the unchanging living God? Amen, amen. So let us live now. Let us be holy. I love that. That's good. <laughs> Even just in, in, in closing, I want to maybe ask if the keys could come up, have some nice little keys in the background. It's always, it's always very spiritual. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> it's good. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> When I, was, um, when I was praying for this preach, when I was just spending time with God this, this last week, you know, asking him, God, what do I share? What do I want? What do I, what must I say? What are you saying to this congregation, God? I had such a strong, like, prophetic picture that I feel like I really need to share. And um, this, this picture, like, I, I just saw, clear as day, I saw this, this image of a man who was seriously malnourished, seriously like skinny, scrawny, not being fed well, wasn't eating, looked sick. And I felt, <laughs> this is what I felt the Lord say, I felt him say, so often his church can be like this. So often we can actually be malnourished in our faith. We're alive. We're alive in God because of what he's, what he's done to us. What he's done for us. But we can sometimes be malnourished. And you can see in that picture of that man, he can, maybe his heart's beating. Heart's beating. He's, got, he's breathing air. He, he can see. He can talk. He can walk. But fundamentally, something in his nutrition is just not right. And I felt God say this. I said, he said that the new creation needs a new diet. The new creation needs a new diet. The new creation needs a new diet. I mean, often when, when we, as Christians, whenever we sin, it does have a, like a foul taste in our mouths. It's because it just, that's not what the new creation eats. The eagle doesn't eat pig food. Amen. <laughs> not only does it leave us a foul taste and a bitter taste, but it doesn't bring nutrition. So often we can feel like poisoned by this maybe stuff we're doing or stuff we're being involved in. Hebrews 12 was saying that throw off these things. Throw off these things that are hindering you, that are entangling you. Because Jesus came to give us life in abundance. As children of God, we will never live abundantly if we continue to walk in the things that we once used to. He's made you holy. He's made us holy. 
So let us be holy. And even as I as I finish off, you may ask, how do I how do I feed this new creation? What is this new diet that you're speaking of? Can I please get John 6 verse 35? Now we've uh, in the holiday um, recently, some of us uh, young guys we've been getting together for like some Bible study, and it's been really fruitful. This has been one of the the key scriptures that has just exploded. And uh, this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Church, this is what we feed the new creation. We feed our new bodies on Jesus. He is the bread of life. I've heard, I, I saw an interesting quote this week. It said, Jesus is the bread of life, not the cake of life. Not the cake to be eaten on special occasions, once in a while. But the bread of life to be consumed every single day. (laughs) That's powerful. And you may ask, okay, that's, that's the food. How do I eat it? How do I actually consume? Can I please get Matthew 5 verse 8? I remember Daniel Barnard shared this at the, the latest gathering. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. This is Jesus speaking. For they will see God. How do I, how do I feed this new creation? It's very simple. I seek God with devotion. And the scripture promises, you will find Him. You will find Him. That's a beautiful promise. God, God will, will, will not just continue to be not found. The scripture says, seek him and you will find him. That's beautiful. He's our treasure. He's our prize. He's our one desire. And when that's the case, church, I promise you, this word is saying that, that we will find him. That these new bodies, this new life, this new creation will be satisfied and we will have life in abundance through these scriptures. Amen.